tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Here's a word that I think um, that gets lost a lot in this whole um, you know experience that we're all going through, and that, it's a powerful word in my book, and that's love. I don't think love, especially in the football world, I don't think love gets used enough. And so when people feel loved by one another, um, I just think that that's, uh, it goes a long, long way, and, and that's built through the way that you treat people. As head coach of the Chicago Bears, uh, Matt Nagy, we've heard a couple of coaches who have their normal media time. I, I don't know, I think, I, I don't know if uh, Doug Marone plans to address the media on Friday. That's when he's been meeting with the media. Uh, we'll see if that takes place uh, this coming week. Uh, but that's uh, Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I think all those things are good things to say. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you simplify it and, yeah, that that sounds good. Does uh, that sound too corny? Uh Love, uh, not for me. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, but but I think people have to stop just listening to a word and, and maybe dissect more of what it means sometimes and live it instead of say it. That was my big message yesterday. Uh, in, in thinking about this for the last couple of days is, um, you know, I, I simply just said, don't be right, do right. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's more about doing and it is about saying and, and having the ego to 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 be right or aside or, or those. And that is a big part of our culture and world. You know, it's a big part of what we do. That's what I was trying to say yesterday. I mean, you want to be right. I want to be right. I hope Gardner Minshew's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on this topic and in some other topics uh, in in societal issues. Being right is is not nearly as important as uh, as the doing right. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us uh, to wrap up our discussion at least for this time frame, and we'll get back into it a little bit later because Emmanuel Acho had this really, really powerful video. Uh, but Austin doesn't agree with everything that was said in it, and I think it's an interesting discussion. I think it was that powerful of a video that you have to hear some of the messaging in it. We won't play the whole thing. That will come up a little bit later in the program, and I want to talk some uh, some sports, sports, sports stuff uh, in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, and Coos on a Tuesday. Once again, the video feeds uh, are... are in black for a reason. Uh, we are not having a technical issue. It's a hashtag Blackout Tuesday, uh, and uh, we're in support of that on our, our video feeds on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, uh, so there's not an issue there. We were talking about Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. prior to the break, and uh, I'd like you to continue on because you had mentioned how things got heightened during the Colin Kaepernick protest. He takes a knee. Obviously, patriotism and taking a knee during the national anthem became the bigger issue than actually what he was protesting, yeah. uh, in part because of the words of President Trump at the time yeah. and uh, said, uh, called the NFL, called him mm-hmm. SOB. Mm-hmm. You had just said the players rallied around that yeah. and kind of felt like they got pushed into a corner. Uh, but continue on because sure. there's a Colin Kaepernick side of this that may have distracted of from course. the messaging as well. Of course. So, you know, kind of pick up where he left off. Obviously, you know, Trump said his piece and now all of a sudden it wasn't about anymore. It wasn't about the racial injustice. It was about, you know, 
doing what's right for your country. It was about, you know, using your patriotism to say, you know what, Colin Kaepernick's in the wrong right now, and the message started to get lost. Now, I'm not saying Kaepernick isn't at fault as well, because if you remember how everything went down, he went to practice, and during practice he was rocking these socks that had, you know, they had pig faces with cop hats on. Obviously, I mean, I don't have to explain to you what that means, right? And it's probably not the most constructive way to go um, against law enforcement or kind of voice your displeasure with law enforcement. So was Colin Kaepernick perfect in this? Absolutely not. Um, but once again, the even with that, it wasn't so much about while Colin Kaepernick's kneeling for social and racial injustice. It was, well, Colin Kaepernick's rocking these socks now. Check these out. It was all over TMZ. It was all over every single news outlet. And then it's Donald Trump, you know, going back and forth. And all of a sudden, you just had this whirlwind where people failed to see what he was trying to do in the first place. You know, like, I mean, in one of the easiest ways I, I can compare it to is a couple weeks ago, and this is not even the same realm, but it kind of echoes what was going on a couple weeks ago. The, the movie Parasite. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't seen it. My friend comes up to me. Have you seen Parasite? I'm like, I have seen it. He's like, man, I couldn't stand that movie. I'm like, why didn't you, you like it? He's like, because everyone's trying to tell me it was like the best movie of the year and it's crazy and I kept waiting for something crazy to happen and it never happened. And I asked him, did you get the message of the movie? And he's like, well, no, man. I, I didn't, what was the message of the movie? And I explained to him, he's like, I didn't even notice that. Because I'm like, that's the problem, man. You heard, you listen to everybody saying, well, it's such a great movie. It's a crazy movie that you didn't form your own opinion. And that's kind of what happened with the Colin Kaepernick situation. All of a sudden, one person had a problem with them, and it was a chain reaction where it was like, well, then I'm going to go with that person. I'm going to go with that person. And the message, the most important thing, the message got lost. The message was for racial injustice. But we weren't talking about that anymore. And that's the, the, that's the point of protest, Brent, right, where – the, 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 the whole point of a protest is to get people to talk about it, is to get people to raise up the issues, right? And, Kaepernick, and to spark change. Well, and to spark change, correct, obviously, most importantly, if you will. Um, Kaepernick did that in a, in a peaceful way. Now, I remember a lot of the responses. I, I, I remember a lot of the outrage was like, well, you shouldn't do it during your work time. You should do it at home. You can go home and make a video and say, what's wrong with this country with racial injustice? And you might get a couple hundred retweets if you're a big enough name like Colin Kaepernick was. Or you can do it during the national anthem during a football game, which is, you know, obviously when we talk about sports, it's probably the, the most recognized topic and everything, a recognized sport. And you can do something different. So with that being said, I just think that the message got lost and all of a sudden people started a nitpick of, well, he means this, he means this, he means that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I th Listen, I think you would say early on, Colin Kaepernick's protest worked yeah. because everybody was talking. Correct. Everybody. And mm -hmm. what's the message? And what are they asking questions? I think it's fair to say at some point in there, it didn't work. It wasn't mm -hmm. working because it did not provoke change. It provoked instead uh, division. Mm -hmm. And again, not wasn't all on Kaepernick, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But in, in totality, the whole of what was going on. It didn't spark enough change. It, it sparked some change. So yeah. did it work to some degree? Yes. But it, what you just said with the Parasite movie is, is a fantastic analogy. Mm -hmm. It got away from the messaging. So that brings us to today. Yeah. Well, it, it, well, and, and I want to say one more thing. And towards the end of it, you know, I think where it all fell apart once again was it was the players who, let's be honest. I mean, are NFL players perfect? Absolutely not. There's ego. Um, there's a lot of self-righteousness, I think. And it ended up becoming, I think, a war more of, you know, the NFL players versus the president of the United States of America. Yeah. And it ended up becoming more of a Democratic thing than a, versus a Republican thing, you know. And that's what it became. 
when the whole message was supposed to be, what happened with the racial injustice? And, and the but, whole message was supposed to be unity. Exactly. But, I mean, in some ways it might have divided people even more because now it's like instead of the unity part of agreeing that, listen, maybe there is a problem with how, you know, um, you know, like minorities get treated with the police. Instead of that, now it's like, well, F Donald Trump. And then the other side's like, well, F football players. And it's back and forth. And let's be honest, nothing really got constructed and nothing got accomplished by doing that. Yeah, and I don't think, I, I say, I would say nothing. Not to, I think well, there were some movements and yeah. initiatives that got put in place, uh, but did enough get done? Yeah. Was it constructive enough? I don't know. But so I think that brings us today into two two questions. Will Kaepernick's protest, what he did try to stand for, whether it worked or not to the degree that he had hoped, be supported more now in a and I don't know if appreciated the words I don't even know if that matters I think more supported yeah. now because there is still this divisive nature to Kaepernick mm-hmm. because of all that because that's what we think of it's divisive that's like the worst fir- first word that comes to mind you know more so than anything else because we remember all that that you just brought up um, so will it be supported more? Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of this week, coming out of these last couple of days, and going on into the future. I have always said and always thought, when we bring up Kaepernick's name, I think down the road, he will be a figure that is remembered for a long time to spark change, to spark also controversy. Uh, and so it just kind of, where do we get to? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it, kind of the way I would answer that. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 10 years from now, three years, a year from now, where are we at? Are we sparking change? And then we go back and say, hey, it might not have happened right when Kaepernick decided to protest, mm-hmm. but it was the catalyst. Yeah. That was the starting point, believe it or not, um, or a continuation point, because it's not like he's the first person. I mean, you can go way back, Martin Luther King Jr. and yeah. others. So, um so I don't know if that question can be fully answered just yet, but I, I do wonder coming out of this in, in the immediate yeah. if he will now be his his protests, his peaceful protests will yeah. be more supported than it was. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of how we start this conversation to say was Colin Kaepernick ahead of his time a little bit, and I think as we sit here right now and and we see forms of protest that have turned violent on both sides, we've seen damage um, to buildings, we've seen you know damage to people on both sides. Um, listen. Colin Kaepernick, and at least as far as I know, he never came out and said, you know what? I don't like the military. You know what? Screw this country. Like, I don't remember Colin Kaepernick ever saying that. All I remember Colin Kaepernick saying was, there's a problem right now with racial injustice. And, and, and that's what I took out of it. Now, I get it. It's up to interpretation. But don't get it twisted here. When Freddie Gray was killed and LeBron James chose to wear the I can't breathe shirt, what came of that? It came of a bunch of news analysts saying, shut up and play basketball. Well, what came from that? It came from NBA players kind of going back against the the news media and saying, I'm not going to shut up and play. I'm going to use my platform. So, like, to me, whether it's the Freddie Gray case uh, with LeBron wearing the T-shirt and so many other NBA players, I mean, there's tons of NBA players who rock that T-shirt. Whether it was Colin Kaepernick, to me, those were peaceful ways to protest. And maybe they left stuff to interpretation, but nobody got physically harmed. Okay, and to me, that's a successful protest when you can go home to your your family and say, you know what? I went through this protest and nobody got hurt. Sure, there was conversation and there was some, you know, back and forth conversation, conversation, conversation. Exactly. And maybe some bad things were said and maybe some bad words were said, but nobody got physically harmed. 
Where we're at right now, once again, people on both sides, they're getting physically harmed, okay? Um, not only do you have emotional scars, but you have physical scars as well. So when you talk about situations like the Freddie Gray um, case with, with the T-shirts, when you talk about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, to me, these were, were signs of peaceful protesting. And unfortunately, the messages may have got lost a little bit, and it fell on deaf ears, and maybe people weren't listening wholly, and now we're right here where we're at right now. Well, and so I guess that leads us really to uh, just a finality on this thought, is, is that is, and that is for these protests, for what is going on right now, from Blackout Tuesday to peaceful protests, uh, which again, 95% of them have been and are, yeah. uh, hopefully there's not a sidetracked issue mm-hmm. here. That comes out of it for months and months of debate. And instead, TV ratings are being watched for the NFL and dollars are being, you know, thought about more so than the issue at hand. Yeah. And and that would make this more of a successful protesting time because that will lead to more change, more constructive conversation. Um, I hope that this we don't know. We don't know where this is going in the next mm-hmm. couple of days, uh, weeks and months. Uh, but I hope that is what the conversation continues to be, kind of what it has been really the last few days, with the exception of a little bit of, uh, you know, there has been moments of violence and looting, and people do bring that up. The less of that, the more on the conversation of what people yeah. want to be talking about. And that is, again, I just say unity and community uh, more than anything else. And, you know, and I'll be honest, man, the, the biggest thing that, that I fear right now, because like we just talked about, with Kaepernick's message, let's be honest, it got lost, okay? Because both sides, Kaepernick's side and obviously the other side, they didn't do things the proper way, okay? And then eventually that got lost a little bit. I just hope right now what's transpiring in this country, you know, and I've been at the protests and I've seen it firsthand. I hope that the violence doesn't spark where it gets lost again. Because I'll be honest with you, man, um, with people protesting right now by the thousands out in the streets, if their words don't get heard and the message doesn't get received then... Well, then what comes next? Yeah, yeah. You know, because, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of running out of options here. Okay? I mean, like, what we're seeing right now worldwide with people protesting and using their voice, it's awesome, man. But I feel like if it gets too violent and all of a sudden we start focusing more on, well, so-and-so got hurt, this building got burned down, so-and-so got hurt, if we keep focusing on that, man, the message I afraid is going to get lost again, and then, then what do we do? It, it, it's scary to think about, but then what are we going to do after that? I just, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't know where it's going. Uh, again, uh, listen, we've had some really good, deep, uh, kind of heavy conversations, but that's the what's going on right now. Sports intersects with society a little bit, uh, and uh, we these are sports figures that are playing a role in at least the conversation part uh, and, and have been in the past, uh, from Colin Kaepernick to now what's going on um, in, in society today, and a lot of athletes are jumping in from Peyton Thompson sharing his thoughts. We've had more of those conversations today, but but uh, I don't want to be dismissive of that conversation. We'll actually get back to it a little bit later on because there's another uh, topic I want to address on it. And, and I want you to hear from someone with some powerful words. And Austin doesn't agree with uh, it in totality. So we'll get to that. But I do want to talk. Uh, how about just simplify it from a sports point of view? Mm-hmm. Sports uh, has hit the pause button for the most part. Not going on. There's racing. We're going to get back to golf. It looks like uh, competitive golf here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, UFC has been a, a big part of it. I, I wanted to just run down quickly, like the winners and losers of the pandemic. Yeah. In sports. Yep. 
And and we can begin right there. UFC has to be a big winner, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so it, far, it's funny. So like UFC, I mean, obviously, because UFC. Let's be honest. Regardless of what NASCAR says, and all due respect to NASCAR, I think UFC is the one that started, um, you know, to pioneer back professional sports. Now I heard NASCAR, their first race back, kind of said, well, we're, "We're bringing sports back." Well, no, you didn't. You know, that was kind of the UFC's job a little bit. But I, I get it. You know, I mean, go ahead and, and, and got to be right. Yeah, go ahead and say, get your shine if you have to. But yeah, I mean, I think UFC is obviously a big winner here. But I guess it's it's kind of funny because I'm not sure if you've been paying attention a lot, but right now the UFC is kind of I don't. Want to in turmoil, but there is some, there are some problems with their biggest fighter, with arguably the greatest fighter of all time, um, in John Jones. You know where he's kind of requested his release unless he gets a new contract. This would be the equivalent of like a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Holmes saying, "Listen, I'm not playing this year, okay? Because I'm not happy with my situation, my contract. Like it, it's a big deal." So I get it. The you know the UFC is going to be a machine. They're always going to move forward and everything like that. But at the same time right now, their biggest star um, is not happy. But, yeah, I do agree the UFC, obviously, ushering new uh, sports has helped a lot. I think golf. I think golf I mean, has benefited big time, especially, I mean, it goes without saying, the Peyton Manning-Tom uh, Brady matchup, you know, because to me it got the casual fans back, okay? Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, like in terms of golf, I don't watch a lot of it, but like that brought me back a little bit. And all of a sudden, I'm watching Peyton Brad. I'm watching Peyton Manning and Tom Brady go back and forth. And you know what? Not the best golfers, but I'm like, you know what? This is kind of cool. You know, what I mean, it's it's raining and everything, but it's still exciting. So I think that kind of got the casual viewers back a little bit. So obviously, I think golf and MMA were big beneficiaries. Here. Yeah, I'm gonna run down the list. Okay, MMA. I think you're yeah. right. I think they they got eyeballs on them. Um, we were watching, and my family was watching. You have so much respect, you learn a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. There are some sports you need to be educated on. Yeah. MMA is kind of one of those things. It's if you don't know it. If you don't know the science of it, you got a chance to learn a little bit. And I don't think that was just in Jacksonville. I think it felt like it was something because it was here. Mm -hmm. But I think that was across the board. And there were, what, seven... What did you say? Seven hundred thousand views seven, of that first seven, fight. Uh, yeah, but so there were seven hundred thousand pay per view buys plus um, for, for that first fight, which is those are big numbers, huge numbers yeah. there. So I think that's I think you're absolutely right. It's a winner. I think NASCAR is a winner right now. Mm-hmm. Submarine Mike jumping in. NASCAR is a big winner. Uh, the ratings were good yeah. uh, this past week. In fact, I, I retweeted uh, Bristol ratings uh, were up over the weekend. And uh, let me just double check uh, so I have it right. Most watched FS1 race in three years. Most watched Spring Bristol race in four, up four percent from last year despite lack of competition. Uh, I guess is a, that's a fair criticism, right? Because there's not a lot else on, yep. so it's not like you've got. But but let's be honest. On Memorial Day weekend, I think that would have been. Or wait, no, last weekend wasn't Memorial Day weekend. This past weekend, uh, what else is there on? Maybe some Major League Baseball games, maybe a little golf. You don't have a lot pulling away from from NASCAR. So good signs from NASCAR. They also create a little drama, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's Kyle Busch and and, uh, Chase Elliott, uh, that's good, too. In that sport, rivalry, uh, confrontation, uh, drama Mm -hmm. is good. And Mm -hmm. so they set the table for that. They've also tried some things with some unique unique racing nights, whether it's a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. Um, So... I think you're right. I don't know if they're a huge winner. I think it's a casual viewed sport that's lost viewership that needs more fans coming back. And I think that's certainly helped. There's been no harm done uh, to NASCAR. You mentioned golf. I think golf is a big winner for now. We'll see what else happens. But I say in this respect, 
they were at the front end of this by canceling the players' championship and everything else. You would say, well, man, that's a big loser. They lost a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, charities lost a ton of money. Here in Jacksonville, we felt that. That was a big loss. I would agree with you there. But they also showed on the f- that they were at least on the front end of it and could be on the front end of it and didn't ignore it. It could have gone really bad for golf if they decided to play that weekend and it wasn't the right move and people got sick. I I know it took a little while and it came with some criticism. It was like a 24-hour decision, but I think they actually thought that thing out. I didn't criticize them much at the time for that decision. I think they become a pretty good winner. And I'll tell you where else. They are on the same page. They're players. Uh, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, is well-received and well-liked. I know we talk about that with Adam Silver in the NBA, uh, but I think he's appreciated for the most part. I'm not saying hands down everybody loves him, but I think the relationship between players and commissioner is a strong one and maybe even stronger going through this. So I think the sport of golf is very healthy right now during this pandemic, despite no golf the last couple months. Let me ask you this, because in terms of professional sports, Jacksonville has played a part in a couple things. Obviously, it's played a part with the UFC ushering back professional sports. And Dana White has come on our show and said, you know, like Jacksonville down the road, we'll get reward with a big pay-per-view. Hopefully, you know, I mean, that's what we're hoping for, right? If you put an international fight card out there, now you have people coming from all across the world to to, to see this. And um, it's good for the city. In terms of the Players' Championship, right, because the PGA Tour essentially stopped in Jacksonville. And they didn't finish their, you know, the, the, I mean, they didn't finish the tournament. And I know in terms of donations, things like that, like the PG Tour has already done so much for Jacksonville. But do we see maybe the city of Jacksonville benefit from it next year, considering golf is kind of where it stopped in Jacksonville? Like, is there a way for the PJ Tour to kind of roll out the red carpet? It's like, all right, we're back in Jacksonville where we kind of stopped, but now we're back again. Like, is there something you can do? Or yeah. is it kind of just like, oh, it's all status quo? I, I think it will be a little bit of a lost year. That's an interesting question. Will they have, uh, will there be more dollars available? Yeah. I think the economic stuff will play a bigger role in that than just saying, hey, we missed, we're going to donate more, we're going to give more. Uh, will the number be bigger next year because of the absence of it this year? Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I will also say this from a Jacksonville standpoint, the Corn Ferry Tour, which is one of basically like the minor league system of golf, uh, they are coming to Jacksonville on June 11th, and they'll be here for two straight weeks. Dyes Valley over at TPC Sawgrass, not the stadium, but the other course, and then uh, down at World Golf Village mm-hmm. at King and the Bears. So, they again, Jacksonville has been a player in, in sports coming back uh, with USC and now golf and also uh, obviously the stoppage of it. Uh, I'm going to hit on one more, and then we'll take a break and continue the conversation. NBA. I feel like they're a winner in this because they will always be this perception, even though they were forced to shut down, that they were – every athlete says, yeah, once the NBA shut down. Once I saw the NBA shutting down, it really hit home. Well, hey, they were forced basically to shut down. They had players that had – gotten sick they yeah, had coronavirus they had it, yeah. they had it. Yeah. like they almost had to shut down you could actually be critical and why didn't they do anything earlier Soon i guess enough. uh but that's not going to be the perception of them so perception is sometimes reality and yeah. i think they'll be a big winner in this i think they'll we got to figure out when they get back to action but i think it's it's on the horizon here uh in, in orlando mm-hmm. and again man the bond it's between silver and and the players is strong it's really good. And I think the more you cultivate that, which is unusual in sports, it's usually more conflicting, I think uh, the better for the sport. So I, I feel like the NBA is a winner. I don't know about a huge winner, but yeah. I think they're a winner. Well, and listen, and I think they are a winner, too, and it, and it's, it starts from the leadership, all right? It starts with silver because when you talk about the way a professional league is made up of, and let's be honest, in terms of owners – 
for instance, James Dolan. A lot of players in the NBA, they're not, they're not big James Dolan fans, okay? And usually the way it works is, you know, fans are, uh, I'm sorry, players are fans of, of maybe the owner and then the owner and then obviously goes up to the, you know, to the guy that's running the show, the commissioner. But like, just the, the admiration for the commissioner, to me, it's super rare. Because even with Roger Goodell, I mean, Roger Goodell's got his faults, alright? I guarantee you, you pull a hundred players in an NFL locker room, I would probably say eighty of them are like Roger Goodell. No, forget, no, forget approval him. Approval rating won't yeah, be good. Exactly, but I think with silver overall, man, and you do the approval rating of silver. I mean, I think you're going to find that. Um, I mean, probably out of a hundred people, probably ninety-eight of those guys are going to be like, yeah, so silver's the real guy. It certainly feels that way. That yeah. might be a shade high, but it certainly sure. feels that way. All right, let's take a time out. When we come back, more sports talk, including quarterback play. Gardner Minshew, thirtieth uh, ranked in Chris Sims' top forty rankings. Is that high enough? Is it too high? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what tier should Gardner Minshew be on? What can he get to? That's coming up. Uh, I want to continue this conversation for just one moment longer with the biggest winner and the biggest loser. I don't think we've mentioned him yet. And uh, is Major League Baseball hands down the biggest loser? I'm not sure. I've got another one that, that couldn't end up taking the cake. Um, and and I actually think it does take the cake. Don't you bring my hockey into this, so I'm going to say. Not that. I think hockey would put okay. it in the winner pile good, for yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. a lot... It kind yeah, of neutral pile. A yeah, bit, we have right? to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've done much. Like, yeah, they haven't caught my attention doing much other than the 2014 playoff. Winners and losers. The biggest winner, the biggest loser of the pandemic so far. Next on ESPN 690 Plus from Gardner Minshew Talk. The, the Board of Governors are going to uh, pass whatever the plan is that Adam Silver and the Players Association bring them. Uh, they have zeroed in on a 22 team format. Likely the 16 teams that are in the playoff, you know, one through eight in both conferences right now, and then six more teams, likely five in the Western Conference, one in the East. Well, that's interesting, Woj says. Now, this is the Dame Lillard stuff we're talking about. He wants to be in the mix to be able to compete for a playoff spot. He's like, I ain't coming back. With that plan, he would. Yeah, so Woj saying, what's really, it's an unbalanced playoff situation because the west is so much stronger than the east in the nba goose give us a little bit more the nba feels like it's been a bit quiet like and maybe it's just baseball drowning it out to a degree uh because they're hot and heavy right now we'll get into that but i mean is this happening like it, or the last week so, is orlando was kind of like yeah. there's momentum it's like okay orlando's it's going to happen in orlando we're, they're gonna it, it looks like it's going to happen now well, now I feel like in the last couple of days, either I've been out of touch or and obviously there have been other things that have that mm-hmm. have really been in the headlines, but I haven't seen or heard as much movement. So I think what ended up happening was the reason it got a lot of noise was the NBA is like, all right, we're going to work on a way to make this happen. So that was the big news. Oh, NBA is going to come back. Well, this weekend it was kind of. We've got four ideas of how to do it. Do we just bring the teams back, finish the season, go into the playoffs? Do we do a 22 team like uh, we just heard Woj say? And, you know, because what's the point of bringing back the Warriors or the Knicks or something like that who just like, realistically don't have a chance at the playoffs? Why why do that? Um, so this this week, and I think why it kind of cooled down was I think – Internally, they were just trying to figure out which one they want to do. Players Association, uh, the you know, and, and going forward with it. Um, but Keith Smith, who we've had on, yeah. uh, I've been following him. He's tweeting out like actual hotels that are no longer booking people 
because they think that they may be the hotel that gets the NBA players. So that could be – I think that's an indication that it's it's happening. It's on the horizon, and, and I think there's a lot of belief to our point before the break. Adam Silver, they're going to follow his lead on it, whatever mm-hmm. decision he thinks to make. Now, again, players' input will be there. Other input will be there, but I think uh, when he makes a decision, it sounds like they've pretty much said, hey, okay, we trust you. And I think the 22-team uh, – uh, tournament style that they're trying to yeah. work on, I think makes sense. Like I was telling you in the break, and I just looked it up. It really confirms it. So the war, the Wizards, who would be the one team in the East, uh, they have 24 wins this season. Which um, in the West, the Portland Trailblazers, who are the first one out, have 29. Yeah. So, so they, it shows you even go down two, three, you know, down to the Phoenix Suns, who are at that point only excluding two teams in the West, uh, have 26 wins. Okay. So interesting. So, a 22-team tournament. Well, so well, essentially what they're saying is you have your 16 playoff teams, and then you're adding five other teams yeah. to, to participate mm-hmm. because they were they had a chance. They were like mathematically had a chance to make the playoffs, like Portland, who was like three and a half games back with 16 yeah. to play. And on the other side, you really did. You had like one team that was mathematically sure. still alive. The Wizards, that was it. And that yeah. was so, it. So, so they're giving everybody a chance under this format. Then here's what I would do. I would do that, and I would have everybody that's mathematically allowed to go to the playoffs go to the playoffs, and the teams that were out, they have a tournament to see who gets well, the, like the, the, the top draft pick. There was a talk about it. So there's a few ideas with it. Like So it was like, here's our four ideas, and then there were like branches of it. There was They were going to kind of like round-robin style it. There was a bunch of different ways of how they were going to go about finding out who's that team that makes it in, who makes it to the playoffs, stuff like that. So I think that's the next part. Once they figure out, okay, we want to do 22 teams, now how do we approach a round robin, or is it just finish the season, let them, let, you know, and then and then play to get in? But I'm saying one of the ideas, though, was that they played the 22, like 22 teams get in the tournament, but the teams that are out of it, they have their own tournament, the teams that are yeah. not in the playoffs, to find out who gets the number one pick. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Uh We'll see what happens with the NBA. It's coming back. It looks like it's come back. We're going winners and losers. I want to just do this, and then we'll get to Gardner Minshew and some quarterback talk. But biggest winner from the pandemic so far? You're asking yeah. me? Uh, the UFC. In sports. You the think UFC. UFC? Yes. I would say the biggest winner in this, and, and probably a little bit of a trick question, is the NFL. What? Yeah. Because they didn't miss anything. Now, mm-hmm. in fairness, UFC draft. really didn't miss too well, much. The, the, the draft, though. But, I mean, the, the draft, you know, overall was perceived to come off good. It, it, they, almost, it, they almost came across better the way they did the draft, even though they did didn't you, make them as money. And you, you see Luke Bryan playing that song, too, though, Brent. <laughs> okay, let's not forget about him as well. But they didn't They didn't make as much money. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying they didn't lose anything in this. Uh, team, the play might not be as good because of the lack of OTAs and minicamps. I don't believe that, but people, you could subscribe to that. Uh, rookies will get off to a slow start, no doubt. So, again, there, there are going to be ramifications of it. But the bottom line is they didn't miss a game. They haven't missed a game yet. They haven't missed really anything of consequence. All the transactional stuff, free agency and draft got done. Uh, they have not missed training camp or a game. And so they have to be the big winner as of now. Again, we're doing this as of now. What we see in a month and a half, two months, well, we'll update our list. Well, and to add to your point, two of the NFL benefiting the most right now, Keep in mind the CBA agreement, right? We were on this show adamantly saying it's going to take forever, right? Because there's a lot of problems right now. Players are going to speak their concerns. One could wonder if the pandemic kind of swayed their decision a little bit to try to get things settled because 
the last thing they want to do is go through a pandemic and have to worry about the CBA and the voting as well. Yeah, that's fair. And point. Plus, you end up losing your house off it too. So I did. That's, that's, that's a bummer. The second house. Yeah, your second uh, house. Uh, the, uh, no doubt. But this one now that I have a has a fireplace. Um, <laughs> and outside. To outside. Be more specific. Outside Thank you. Fireplace, yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest loser. You're gonna say Major League Baseball, right? Yeah, I mean, isn't that where it points can, to? How can you not right now? Because Major League Baseball has, first of all, they never started their season. So Major League Baseball, this is an okay answer. Major League Baseball looks conflicted. They don't look like they're on the same page. They also have a new CBA coming up after the 21 season, so that's now a year and a half away. And so conflict could emerge from that even more so. People are referring. The perception is baseball is going to be as bad as 94 when the strike happened, even though I don't think that's accurate. I I, I really don't. Uh, I also think this is going to get resolved. Mm -hmm. But I think from a player standpoint, you've lost a ton of money. Ownership standpoint, you've lost a ton of money. You never made any this season so far, and you never got a check if you're a player yet. Minor leaguers are all over the place losing their jobs. So I think it's an accurate one. It's a fair one. Let's just say that. I don't think it's the biggest one because, in my opinion, what we're going to forget about so of this pandemic when we talk about sports because we think of the big sports and the, the major leagues, uh, professional sports, is the college sports. And college, maybe the NCAA might even be the biggest loser in all of this. College football, not yet. They haven't missed anything yet. We'll see. But the idea and what has transpired in the last two and a half months, nobody has lost more than some of the NCAA sports. They have been eliminated. And by the way, that's not stopping. This will just be the catalyst for more of that to happen. Even if we get back economically quicker than people anticipate, there will be a domino effect that will happen for a long time. There are already conference tournaments in some of these sports that have been eliminated for four years, not just one year, four years. So that will show you the impact that COVID-19, the pandemic, has had on college sports. Now, don't worry. It didn't bother your football just yet. It didn't bother your basketball just yet. But a lot of athletes, it's impacting. It's impacting the 20 and 21 high school class because mm. of the recruitment. Nobody has rosters that that need va- that have vacancies because of the year back of eligibility that that folks gained. So the domino effect from pan- from this pandemic has absolute I don't know if crippled's the right word, but a- to some degree, paralyzed college sports. They're the biggest loser of this thing so far. Something that we haven't really talked about, and you said it. Don't worry, your college football is okay. Like, don't worry, your your men's basketball right now, as far as it stands, is okay. Do you think this up and coming season and for years to come? Because let's be honest, if you're a softball player right now, if you're a lacrosse player, um, if you're a college golfer, you know, name the sport. You're hurting. All right, you're you're, you're those programs are hurting right now. Do you see in the next couple of years, Brent, where we see maybe the NCAA or even the schools rely more and put more pressure on those football teams, on those men, men's basketball teams, where it's almost like a turnoff where it's like, well, you, you guys want a lot more money from our programs? I mean, we've been giving you guys enough, but now you want more? You want more from us? Where we almost see it where it's like college football just goes off and branches off and says, no, forget it then. Like, we're not going to be we're our own separate entity because there's only so much we can do. Like, are, are we going to see a civil war, essentially, 
with schools of how they handle their college football programs to try to help out all the other programs. We have uh, we we hit on that just briefly a few mm-hmm. weeks back. I remember the, a little bit of the conversation, and I think that's certainly on the table. I think there is an underbelly of what's going on, especially in college football, to say these Power Five schools. Remember all that talk about realignment in the past, where it's like four sixteen-team conferences. Uh, it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to see, but could we see a divorce from the NCAA? Could we see this finally admitted as big business and say, we're doing our own thing, just like you said, we're not going to support? I think there's actually an underbelly of movement for that to take place. I don't know what it looks like exactly, but yeah, I think that I think the landscape of college sports could could change because of that. But here's the problem, Brett. Also, the university, though. Like, is the university going to say, you know what? You got to help out our women's basketball team. You have to help out our college lacrosse team. Like, you have to help us out. We need more. We need more. And does that turn college football off a little bit? Uh, yeah, because I, don't, I mean, it's not an NCAA issue. You know, it's a it's an in-house issue. That's I, what I'm trying to get but, at. But what I think is very important still, especially when you talk about attendance and football and, and and basketball, is you still need that loyalty connection. That's what makes college football and college basketball great. It's like I went there. I wear the shirt. I wear the hat. I have pride. That's my alma mater. Those mm-hmm. people are important. Those are the people that give back to the programs. Those are the people that go to the games and have been going to the games every Saturday for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Those are the students that also attend. That's what helps bring enrollment in. So I think it works hand in hand. I don't see the divorce from necessarily the university. Okay. I see the divorce from the NCAA. I think they have to be connected to the university. That I mean, will totally no, change. I'm saying they have to be connected. I'm just saying what are those conversations going to be like when all of a sudden the university is like, hey, we, we need more money from you guys because other programs are struggling. But it's more from an NCAA stranglehold. And okay. what do they – see, I don't necessarily know if this would be a bad thing. Football, you go ahead. You guys – the rich get richer, and you guys do whatever you can do. And there's still only going to be like eight teams that can win a national championship because, again, the rich get richer, much like Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. right? How many teams can really win it uh, if there's no salary cap? Well, that's what you have in college football, essentially. But could it might not be a bad thing for all the other sports, the periphery sports, if you will, to go on the basis of what the NCAA was created on, which was nonprofit and kind of don't worry about how many tickets you sell. We're going to we're going to give a chance for schools to have sports and get enrollments and admissions through sports and, and this be a vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. It might not be totally bad. It could take a while to figure it out. I don't I'm not smart enough to know what it looks like that yet. But I kind of equate it to where I went to school, maybe even where you went to school. When I went to a Division II school. They didn't hand out money left and right to the Ashland University baseball program. Mm-hmm. We sold, we fundraised. Like, we fundraised. You, you guys were selling popcorn or cookies? Yeah, we were selling, like, uh, calendars to do the lottery. Well, <laughs> were we really? Absolutely. For us were, to were do our like the, I mean, shirts off and everything? Like, that was kind of calendars? What kind of calendars are you talking about? Uh, here? Yeah, yeah, body issue calendars. Yeah, body issue. Okay, I like it. Uh, but we. To, to go to Florida for a spring trip, we fundraised for it. We wow. didn't get a check. We fundraised for it. When Dang. we went to the NCAA tournament, uh, when we went to the College World Series, yeah. the money that we earned, like when the NCAA paid you, like it was big for us to go to the World Series. I remember this conversation. I don't remember specifics. Mm-hmm. This is back in 1999. But when we went to that, you know, you get a per diem, right? Of course. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. So let's say you get 15 bucks to eat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was, but you get you get... Uh, you probably got your breakfast at the hotel, but then you got, you know, what to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the NCAA for each player may have given the program $50 a day for each player. Uh-huh. So the school actually wanted to, instead of give that all to you, they wanted Weird. to actually save a little bit to put it into a nest egg for the program. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. build off that because it was important. Yeah. It was important so the next group didn't have to fundraise as much or could go somewhere. So I, it, what, let me ask you though. But what? that could be how all of NCAA works in all of those sports is my point. And they could yeah. take that model and be, hey, it's pay to play just like it is in high school. What would you guys think about that though when that's what happened? When they took well, a little bit of the, I mean, I think I learned about that later. I, okay. I didn't know. Yeah, about I mean, yeah, you were just, yeah, you, you happy to be there, yeah, I was get happy some free to, cash. I got you. The vision too. Like, yeah. I was never thinking I should be paid more. Sure. Or, hey, are paying for freaking Wendy's for me? Great, thanks. Score. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I never got to that point. Could I have? Should I have? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I was I mean, too naive. I get it, man. We're in college. Baseball, you do the championships. You're having oh, fun. We, I, were, yeah. we got a ring for going to the college. I've done the same thing. Yeah, I've done the same thing. Where was the college World Series at? By the way, at that time it was in Montgomery, Alabama. How was that? Cool city? Um, yeah. yeah, it was cool. cool. Yeah. I actually just went back uh, in the fall when we went to Mississippi State for the Egg Bowl and then also Auburn to see the Iron Bowl. Yeah, yeah. We went through Montgomery and saw the field that we played on. That's First awesome. time in 20 years I'd been there. So, But now it's in um, North Carolina, Cary, North Carolina. Okay. You know, Jacksonville actually... There were conversations that they might get the Division Two World Series yeah. um, when it left Montgomery, Alabama, and and they didn't carry North Carolina, which is where the Team USA baseball complex is now has it. Well, one last thing here, but I think we're going to break pretty soon. But what was the what was your favorite place to play in terms of like a, a stadium for baseball in college? Oh, uh, yeah, man, this is not this is like going to your park. Most of them, like well, I, mean, I mean, Grand I Valley know, State and if Wayne any, State. If and, any park stood out to you, uh, I would say we played at Ohio State. So oh, that's cool. Every year we played at Ohio State, that yeah. would have been that. That was the biggest one. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and down here you just play in a lot of the comp. Now, when I was doing the, the uh, when I was playing baseball in the late '90s, in the '90s, they played down in like Cape Coral at the Minnesota Twins complex and and like the Red Sox complexes. But that was back before they even renovated them. Yeah, yeah. So they were just kind of older stadiums, uh, if you will. Gotcha. But yeah, I would say Ohio State probably was the nicest facility we played at. Cool, cool. Yeah, uh, three years in a row. So uh, we had that. Uh, quick thought. Uh, we got a couple minutes before we get, get to break, and we'll carry this over. Oh, we got to get Steven. Let's do Steven right now because uh, he wants to talk Gardner Minshew, and that's where we're leading into. Uh, thanks for hanging around, Steven. Oh, Action yeah. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Talking about uh, the good old days at Ashland University. I almost forgot about you. What's up, man? Uh, not too much. Feeling pretty good today. Wearing my Gardner Minshew jersey, <laughs> and I had to stand it. I had to stand in for you, Brett. Somebody you. talking trash and comparing. Kyler Murray to Gardner Minshew. Had to stand in for you on that one. I, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Gardner Minshew, 30th quarterback, says uh, uh, Chris Sims. Yeah. What do you think? Too high, too low? Oh, that's too high. Way too high. But uh, starting uh, what you guys said a few uh, weeks ago, you know, the Jags uh, practicing uh, this year with Tampa Bay. A lot of people comparing that we're going to lose and be 0-16, 2-14. Nobody thought of, hey, we're practicing with what do you want to give Tampa Bay this year? Maybe an A rank with Brady, Gronk, Mike Evans, everybody. Uh, you know, C.J. Henderson his first year. Put him up against Mike Evans, get some good reps in. Uh, Gardner Minshew may be bouncing ideas off of Tom Brady if Brady's nice enough to bounce ideas back. <laughs> and... Uh, but, I mean, you know, they're actually going against practicing with a good team to get practice at implementing their new defense, their new offense, get Joe Schobert some good practice time with his new team since he's the quarterback of the defense. I mean, no, nobody's they're, – they're just jumping to conclusions that we're apparently going to tank this year. 
All and right. I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah, Stephen, uh, I hear you, man. I'm with you. I, I don't uh, agree with it. I, I'm on that train as well of uh, – uh, believer in Minshew. I'm more of a believer in this Jaguars roster than other people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know every probably franchise could say that to, to some degree, but I, I truly believe that in Jacksonville. I, I don't think they're as bad on paper as a lot of people believe they are. Um, so appreciate the call here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, well, you know, when it kind of came to fruition, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be practicing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was excited for two reasons. Number one, Jenna Lane's going to owe me her apology <laughs> of telling me to take O.J. Howard in fantasy football. Can't wait to get that in person and number two they're going against a great team okay now in terms of their defense obviously going against tom brady you're going against a very explosive offense and i talked about cj henderson obviously getting his reps like yeah that's going to be great and on their defensive side of the ball you know the linebacker secondary could be a little questionable but a very good uh, uh, a very good defensive line you yeah. know on the offensive line obviously where they haven't really addressed it a lot will get tested in training camp Keep in mind, though, and I'm not sure how Doug Marone, I'm not sure how Todd Wash are going to approach this. Brent, you were in Baltimore last year. Baltimore didn't show Jacksonville anything. Nope. Okay? What, what we th- what, what you kind of saw in Baltimore is like, all right, so they're going to run just a lot of basic eye formation, nothing crazy. It's just going to be uh, the run of the middle offense. Oh, all of a sudden, week one against Miami, here comes Baltimore running these you know quarterback read options, things like that. We didn't see it coming. So it begs the question right now, if you're Doug Marone and, and you know, obviously you're Gruden and, and you're Todd Wash, how much do you show? Yeah, I don't right? think you have a choice. Yeah, Not I think you, you have had sh- no camp, yeah. no OTAs, no mini camps potentially. I think you got to lay it out there. And by the way, I don't think you're – Baltimore was a little different. They were trying to surprise people to a degree. Sure. I don't think – people know what Tom Brady is. They've got great wide receivers. they got tight ends. They're going to throw the freaking football, Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Patriots uh, – the, the Jags may be a little bit different in that sense, but I think they got to practice what they're preaching and playing. Yeah. I don't think they have a choice to, to be secretive and hide. Uh, you might have a wrinkle here. They're not going to lay everything out. You can be vanilla, but mm-hmm. you can still practice your bread and butter kind of stuff. Uh, Warren Gardner Minshew, 30th ranking by Chris Sims. Is he too, is that too high, too low? Is that the right category for him? Um, and I do think it's good that he'll be able to see Tom Brady across the other side and learn to pick up a thing or two. But I don't want to be over dramatic about that part. Buckeye Bill says, D2, ever play Valdosta State? We always had good baseball teams. You know, I didn't. Um, down here, played Florida Southern, played St. Leo. Uh, and we played others as well, but never did play Valdosta State. Minshew Talk when we come back on ESPN 690.